I love that passage that Pastor Frank read in uh, Psalm 107. It said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You know, I find that our awareness of how valuable our redemption is really informs the way in which we read that passage of Scripture. Um, sometimes when we don't realize what God has done for us, we read that passage and say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But when you know what he has done, when you know how he has shed his blood for you, when you know how much he has pulled us out of the most dark, vile, dark place, and he has brought us into his presence, we who were not a people are now the people of God, right? We who are dead in our trespasses and sins, he made alive together in Christ Jesus. We read that passage and say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. How many are redeemed in the house of God this morning? All right, there's no casual so about it. Man, we were redeemed by the blood of Jesus. So thankful for his word. Welcome to Integrity. You want to welcome those who've tuned in online and for our guests this morning. We pray you make yourself at home uh, today. So we are coming to the end of our final week of our Advent series that we're calling The Promise. Uh, we've been exploring the, the themes of Advent that the church over the centuries have focused on, namely hope, peace, joy, and love. Um, the first week we looked at hope. And we talked about how hope came in a person, right? It wasn't just an empty promise, but it came in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus meets our deepest longings and is, and is the very hope, not only for our present here, which I'm very thankful for. How many are thankful for the present that we have right now, the hope that we have in Christ? But I'm also thankful for the hope that awaits, right? That there'll be a day where I kind of take off this, this, this body and I am in his presence and I'm not bound by time or, or by sin and I'm in the presence of the Lord. It is the hope of our salvation. The second week, we looked at the, the promise of peace, and we saw how, how the angels came to this un, um, um, this despised group, right? The, these lowly shepherds, right? And brought them peace. And we saw how Christ's coming points to a future government that will be the embodiment of peace, where peace will have no end, it is going to be ushered in by the governance of God. And then last week, we focused on the promise of joy that came because of the coming of Christ. A joy that rises above our feelings, right? A joy that rises above our circumstances. Nothing determines our joy out here on this earth, but our joy is in a person. Christ is our joy. And then today... We come to our last theme in Advent as we focus on the promise of love that was born into the world in the arrival of a babe in the manger. You know, there's a very familiar scene that we see on display all throughout the world this time of year. It's Perhaps it's in your rooms, in your homes. It's certainly in our church. We see it in, sometimes in department stores and other places. I'm speaking namely of the nativity 
But what is the nativity? What does it, what does it mean? The word nativity comes from the Latin word meaning, meaning birth. And so the nativity scene that we see set out each year is a depiction of the birth of God into the universe, from the, of the God of the universe into the world today. And we celebrate that birth. It's at this scene that we see Christ surrounded by a group of people, right? We see his mother focused, Mary focused on the Christ child. We see his father, Joseph, focused on the Christ child. Present at the nativity scene, we see all kinds of barnyard animals, right? We see shepherds, we see angels all kind of present at that moment. But what are they all doing? They're all fixed their eyes on the baby, because it's all about his birth. That's what Christmas is all about. It's been exciting to see many of the new births and new babies that the Lord has brought into our church family these last number of months. Our, our nursery is getting fuller and fuller each week. It's so exciting to see many of our young moms and dads kind of navigating this, this exciting new season of life. And, and our nursery is getting fuller and fuller. And if you'd like to participate in that important ministry. There's always needs in our nurseries. And so, uh, but, but it's been exciting to see a lot of the new birth that's taking place around the church. I remember the anticipation of our first child being born. I mean, obviously we were anticipating all the child, children being born, right? Because because they're in the room right now. It's like, I gotta say that. And so, but, but, but there's nothing like that first one that's coming, right? It's kind of like, it, it was interesting that how nine months can go so fast and so slow at the same time, right? When you look at it through the lens of everything you've got to get done, right? All of the, the preparation for this child, it's kind of like this awareness that like, I don't have enough time to get everything already. But at the same token, when you start to think about, man, soon I'm going to hold this little child into my arms, it just seems like nine months is so slow. And it's interesting how nine months can appear very, very fast or very, very slow, depending on how you're viewing it. But as a child was coming, man, we, there was a lot of preparation, Right? Didn't seem like there was ever enough time to take care of it. I mean, rooms needed to be painted, right? Carpets needed to be changed out. Cribs needed to be built. You remember, and this is like years ago when, oh my goodness, you get this, the crib comes in a box about this big. Right, and there's like 97,000 parts, and and like so, I mean that was like a journey of nine months right there. But cribs needed to be kind of built up, high chairs needed to be bought, put together, situated around the house. Right, car seats needed to be kind of put in motion. Right, you had to designate which part of the house was going to be the playroom. Right, and all these kinds of things. And then it had to be time to. Childproof the house. You remember that journey? It was like, oh my goodness, looking at every room, trying to look at this through the lens of being a, a six month old, right? And so you start covering the sockets, right? And you want to childproof all of the, the cabinets and the, the TV stands. I mean, the list goes on and on and on because there's so much preparation that takes place before this little alien enters into your world, right? I mean, a new baby is coming. Little did we know, our little guests who entered our home would take ownership of the home. And this little child would become the ruler and the dictator of our home. 
and would let us know when we can eat and when we can sleep if we were granted that gift of sleep, right? And so they really kind of, they kind of come in to the home and they take it over. But when they come, what an incredible occasion that is. I mean, all makes all the preparation worth it. One of the first few words that every one of my sons heard coming off my mouth every time the doctor finally gave them to me is I looked them in the eye and I said their name and I said, Jesus loves you. The first words I wanted them to hear and I pray that I have continued to teach and preach that to them all their lives. But what a sacred moment that was. And so when the child finally came, all the preparation was worth it. And so as we consider that story through the lens of where I want to talk to you about today, my first point I want to make with you is this. We prepare for the birth of something new, don't we? We prepare for the birth of something new. You see, the reason the nativity, the birth of Jesus is so significant is not because this birth happened one day long, long ago, but because God's desire for each is that something new would be birthed in our hearts for the love of God to be revealed in the world by the way in which we live our lives and share the love of Christ in, our, in, in, in the world around us. I mean, that's really what Christmas ought to remind us of is it's a great opportunity of us obviously experiencing the gift of Christ himself, but then also we ought to look at it through the lens of how do I allow this love that I've been a recipient of to be expressed through my life to the world around me? How do I let something be birthed in my heart that communicates the free gift that I've gotten in Christ Jesus? I'm so encouraged by many of our, our young adults yesterday went out and they made a hundred packages of, of a, a package gift, gift, gift bags that they kind of went all throughout the community and they gave them out to people and, and it was just gospel tracts and, and you know, inv- invite to come on out to church and just showing the love of Christ. You know? That's what it is. It's, it's we who are recipients of the free gift, we go and extend the free gift of love. We represent Jesus in the world. And so as we finish this four-week series, I want to ask you this morning, what would happen if each of us, full of expectation, pregnant, if you will, of expectation of what God could birth in us new this season, began to prepare ourselves for all that God desires to do in us and through us? Imagine we approached this Christmas season with expectation, great expectation of what God can do through us. Not only in this Christmas season, but all throughout. This morning, as we consider how everything was fulfilled when Jesus came, I want us also to consider whether God is perhaps birthing something new in your heart because Christ has come. Not something new, like it's extra biblical, but something new that God's doing in you. A new fresh passion, a new pursuit for him, a new love for him, a new way, a a new surrendering to him. Today is not only about the Christmas story, but it's about your story. And how the beautiful story of Christmas shapes and defines your story as well. There's a specific promise that's given to us in the Old Testament that is fulfilled 
in the nativity scene. It's a very familiar passage. We sing about it and read about it. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Isaiah is writing this 750 years prior to the arrival of the Christ. And he says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. It means God with us. This would be the sign given to God's people that they had not been forgotten. This is what Isaiah is writing about. This was the sign that would be given to God's people that their sinful and broken states had not been forgotten by God, but instead, when they see the virgin give birth to a child, they would see the tangible love of God coming into the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. The instruction given in Isaiah to the people of God is to prepare for his arrival. Be ready for this revelation. Live your life with expectation that God would come for us. The appeal was to make space in your lives for Emmanuel, God with us. Make room for the birth of a work of God within you right now. Isaiah says, even before the arrival comes. That's what he is communicating to the people. And what was said to them, perhaps is the message to you and I today as well. Let the arrival of the Christ remind you to prepare for how your life is going to be impacted by his coming. Because that's what Christ does. When Christ comes into our lives, everything ought to change. Everything ought to look different. The things that used to appeal to me outside of Christ shouldn't appeal to me anymore. I don't go to the same places. I don't do the same things. Why? Because something has changed in me. Mary and Joseph, they were impacted by the arrival of Jesus. Let's take a step back and consider how this news was perhaps presented to them that day. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Imagine that. But she was greatly troubled at the, stating, at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. 
Now listen, I know you've heard that passage. You've read that passage. You've sung about that passage, right? You've, you've been all over that passage. But I just want to encourage you, don't let the familiarity of this story cause you to miss the significance of what just took place in this young girl's life. This message that was brought to Mary by the angel was that she would conceive of a child in her womb and call this child's name Jesus. There's just one big problem to this whole thing. Mary is a virgin. Mary is engaged. She's not yet married to Joseph. And so this announcement must have been really difficult for Mary to process. I mean, could you imagine like, whoa, whoa wait a minute. What do you mean I'm going to be pregnant? What do you mean that, 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 that I, I mean, I'm not even married? I mean, what are people going to say? How in the world am I going to explain this? I mean, nobody, nobody's going to believe this. What in the world do I tell Joseph? And will he even believe me? I mean, I'm sure there's some processing that needed to take place in the humanity, right, of Mary. You see, when God is ready to birth something new, it almost always brings about some form of disruption into our lives. In fact, in a world that is broken and marked by sin, the arrival of love brings Disruption. The second point that I want to make with you this morning is this that when God shows up, our lives are disrupted. When God shows up, our lives are disrupted. I mean, Mary's life is taking a turn here that she, she never would have expected. I mean, as far as she knew, she was in a marriage, this nice little Jewish boy named Joseph. And her plans were set. And however, she kind of, like, she had no idea the angel was going to come and say, listen, you're going to conceive of the Most High and you're going to produce the Son of God to the world. The Savior of the world. I mean, this was an obvious disruption to this young girl. <laughs> Let's consider this from Joseph's perspective, perspective, right? I mean, your fiance suddenly becomes pregnant. And you know, you're not the father. How do you explain this to your family? How, how do you explain this to your friends? I mean, you know, Aunt Mary told them that the angel came, but you've got to believe that in the back of his mind, he had to be wondering, is that really how it played out? I mean, this story for Joseph was disruptive. Let's not put Mary and Joseph on a plane of deity. They are men and women like you and me. And I'm sure this news brought disruption into their lives. For the political power of the day, I mean, King Herod was in control of all of Israel. For this baby to come into the world and be the son of God, the king of kings, that would mean that all of the old kings would have to align under this new king. This was disruption. This disruption comes because of the promise that God loves his people so much that he would come to dwell with them through this humble young girl 
The story is beautiful, but it's disruptive. There are two choices that any person has when it comes to when a disruption is introduced into their life. They can either avoid it or they can embrace it. They can either run from it or they can run to it. And I believe that when God is trying to birth something new within us, it will always feel like something that is confusing at times. Something that is hard for us to grasp. Something that has with it certainly excitement and nervousness, right? Something that's hard to explain. Something that is perhaps out of our control. Something that may even seem scary at first, like it did for Mary. And when that happens, what will we do? Will we avoid it or will we embrace it? I remember when Laura, my wife, was pregnant with our first child. It was the first trimester. And the doctor discovered a lump that he was very concerned about. And he posed the concern to us and said, you have one of two options. And I, if we take the lump out now in the first trimester, it can harm the baby. And so you can wait till the second trimester, but the problem is if it's something that's cancerous and, and, you're in, and you're in that first trimester, because of all of the hormones that are going crazy during pregnancy, it can really expedite the, 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 the spreading of the cancer. And so we were left with a decision, do we put the baby at risk and have a procedure in the first trimester or wait and put my wife at risk and doing the second trimester, and we prayed, and we determined that it would be best to wait until the second trimester. And it was one of those times that I remember getting alone with God and, and saying, God, I mean, this is like what you're waiting for, right? You've got your new bride. You've got your new baby on the way. And I'm saying, God, I don't know what you're doing, but Lord, I just want to say right now, before I even know how the outcome is going to happen, I will love you through this, whatever happens. It was a turning point. It was in a significant moment in my life where I needed to let go, right? I needed to embrace the season that God was allowing us to go through. Thankfully, the thing that we feared the most didn't happen, and we had a, a beautiful, healthy boy, and the procedure went fine with my wife. And, and, but it was, a, it was a moment where we embraced that season and it allowed us to learn how to trust God even greater, Maybe this morning, as you came to church, you were wrestling with a, a disruption into your life because that's what it felt like. We we're like, so we just caught news that my wife is pregnant and we're like, you know, dreaming and planning and, and then this. And it was like, who's got time for this? Nobody asked for this. Nobody wanted this. This is a, this is a disruption. But maybe that's where you find yourself today. Maybe you're in a season where there's been disruption that has been introduced into your life. Maybe, maybe it's a medical concern. Maybe it's something that's taking place on your, on your job and you just, you just don't know what to do. You don't know how to handle it. it, it it's disruptive. Maybe, maybe it's a loss of some kind that has caused tremendous pain in your life. And, and the only word that you can define, that you can label it with is, is it's disruptive. 
Maybe it's an area of sin that has found you out. And you're having to navigate how you're going to handle what repentance is going to look like. Maybe it's a relationship that, that hit, a, hit a dead end and it's disruptive. It's changed your plans. Maybe, maybe it's a need that you see around you that you, you just can't get it off your mind and it's just disruptive. This may be God's grace, this disruption. It just may be God's grace and his love just about to bring something new. Maybe you're about to give birth to something fresh and new in your life. Disruptions bring that about. I mean, like Mary and Joseph in the story, I mean, God is wanting to do something through our lives that will change us. In fact, change the world. But we have to choose, will we Avoid it, or will we embrace it? Mary was faced with a tremendous disruption, but listen to how godly Mary responded. Look at the dialogue that takes place. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. You see, Mary asks a very fair question, a very logical question, a very appropriate question when she is confronted or disrupted with this new information. And it's this, how will this be? I mean, it sounds good, but I'm a virgin. I mean, there's no natural way that God could bring that about. How could he possibly fulfill this promise when I'm a virgin? You see, within her mind, there could be no birth because it just didn't seem humanly possible. And she was right. It wasn't humanly possible because it's a work of God. You know what Mary had? Mary had new birth excuses. The promise came from the throne of God delivered by the angel. And her first response was, how can it be? I'm a virgin. She had new birth excuses. We all have reasons why God can't do a new work in our lives, don't we? We all have new birth excuses. Can I just address these new birth excuses for a moment and in my years of ministry, I've heard many of these new birth excuses, these ideas that, hey, listen, God is looking to do. And listen, please don't assign this to some of the charismania stuff about God doing a new thing. I'm not talking about that whole thing. I'm talking about God doing something special in our hearts, bringing us to a deeper level of commitment and, and devotion and, 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 and awareness of, of his awesomeness and his power and a greater, a greater response of us through our surrender and to his lordship in our lives. 
But we also oftentimes have these, these new birth excuses. I mean, there's no way, God, you can heal my marriage. There's no possible way. It's new birth excuses. Maybe God wants to heal your marriage. Maybe what you think is impossible is quite possible. Maybe you're looking at it through the wrong lens of what God can do. There's no way that I'll ever be reconciled back with my children. Maybe not with man is that possible. But all things are possible with God. There's no way that I'll ever get out of this this financial hole, hole that I've dug myself into. There's no way I can come out from the guilt and the shame and the regrets of my past. I mean, I made these decisions. I'm stuck with it. This is the way I'll always be. Listen, that's nothing more than new birth excuses. You say, say, I, I can't get clean. I've tried over and over again. I can't get sober. I can't stop doing whatever it is that seems to be holding you back. These are all excuses for why we can't experience new birth in our lives. And like Mary, we point out how, from a human perspective, it just doesn't seem to make sense for God to be able to do a work in us and through us because we know us. But look how the angel responds to her new birth excuse. The angel says, Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Essentially, he was saying, you see, Mary, what is impossible with man is very possible with God. This is not a work of mere man. This is a work of God. All of our excuses may be correct. They may make total sense to us. They may be very valid in our own minds about why this Christmas shouldn't be a fresh start and a new birth in our life. In and of ourselves, it is impossible, but through the love of God expressed in his miraculous birth because of Jesus Christ, everything and anything is possible. The nativity, this birth changed the world 2,000 years ago. And can I tell you, it's still changing the world today. Why? Because the same spirit of God that came upon Mary is the same spirit of God who will overshadow you and bring about what God is looking to do in your life. God wants to birth something new within you today. And it's not about your ability it's not about your effort. It's not about your, your qualifications. It's not about your, your agenda. It's not about your track record, good, bad, or ugly. It's not about your financial or your socioeconomic status. It is simply about seeing that whatever disruption God has allowed into your life, it's about seeing it as an act of love that is to be embraced rather than avoid it. I think we need to pay attention to Mary's response to this promise this day. Verse 38, after hearing all this, it says in verse 38, Mary said, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. 
Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from there. Let it be to me according to your word. I surrender. I will not question. I will not doubt. I will not seek to make it happen. Let it be to me according to your word, according to your will, according to your plan. It's a picture of total surrender and yielding to the plan and purposes of her life. You know, in a very real way, it's a beautiful picture of baptism. It's the picture of a fresh start. It's her being confronted with this challenge and her surrendering to what God's plan and purpose was for her life. I mean, baptism is a beautiful picture of that because baptism is a picture of a fresh, of a fresh start. There we are in the, in the baptism tank, dead in our trespasses and sins, right? And when we, when we recognize that I am a sinner in need of a savior, what we're saying is, listen, no more excuses. I trust your plan for my life and I am dying with Christ in the waters of baptism and I am being raised together in newness of life let it be unto me according to your word. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live by faith, I, I, in, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Baptism is a beautiful picture of surrender. Someone said once that salvation is when we walk through the door and baptism is when we close the door behind us and say no more. I'm excited January 1st, New Year's Day. We're starting the years off that Sunday with a baptism service. If you've never been baptized, I'm not going to ask you to pray about it. You just need to be baptized out of the step of obedience. It's what the scripture says. We want to teach you about what it means fully. That's why we're going to have the class this Wednesday night before candlelight carols. But maybe you've been baptized, and then you're in a, but you're in a place in your life where it's like, you know what? I, I'm just not where, I mean, I, I, I got baptized twice. I, got, well, I, I walked away from the Lord. I came back, and I'm like, you know what? I need to have something new birthed in my life. I need a fresh start. God got a hold of me, turned me upside down. I ran away from what I was doing, and I embraced the plan of God for my life. And for me, I went through the waters of baptism again. And I'll tell you what, it was a significant moment in my life because I shut the door to a past that I've been saved from. And so I encourage you, if you've not been baptized or you want to be baptized, make sure you sign up. Let's start the year off with a bang. Let's start the year off by saying, you know what, Lord? It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. I surrender. Let it be unto me according to your word. You see, like Mary, when we submit to God, then his promises can be fulfilled in our lives. That's our fourth and last point this morning. When we submit to God, his promises can be fulfilled in us and through us. What if this were the kind of posture, surrender? What if that were our posture this Christmas season? How would your life be different? Our submission to God has everything to do with what we perceive to be our greatest need. And Christmas is a reminder that our greatest need was to be reconciled back to God because of our sin. Our sin keeps us from experiencing God's best in our lives. But he came so that we might be forgiven. 
He came so that we might be reconciled. He came so that we might be rescued. He came so that we might be restored. Author Max Lucado says this, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a savior. Perhaps submitting to God is going to cost you something. In fact, I want to promise you that submitting to God is going to cost you something. But listen, it will only cost you the thing that is keeping you from the best of what God is looking to birth in your life. It will cost you something, but it's going to cost you the very thing that is keeping you from what God is looking to birth in your life because his plans for you are good. That's what Jeremiah said. I know the plans that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. That's God's plan and purpose for us. Surrender to his lordship is the key to walking in the blessings and goodness of God. This Christmas and always, Embrace the love of God demonstrated towards you in the coming of the Savior, this coming that provides forgiveness, this coming that provides purpose and direction, and this coming that provides hope and peace and joy and love. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you stepped into our chaos and you brought hope and peace and joy and love. I pray for my brothers and sisters today, God, that, that you would um, continue to do a work in each and every one of us. We thank you that we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And I pray the Lord for that brother, that sister that finds himself right now, even in the midst of a, of a, of a serious disruption, I pray that they would see that as the hand of God, of the grace of God to bring about something new in their lives. And Lord, may we as your people respond accordingly to embrace not only that which is in front of us, but embrace the one who holds us. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen.